Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from the suburbs of New York City in an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. An emergency podcast of the highest order. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. J.J., what is up, brother? Oh, well, the fabric of European football is being ripped asunder, torn to pieces. You begin the podcast with, oh, yes. Uh, I mean, it's just what we say, right? It's what we say. Um, But the end is nigh, Andrew. The end is nigh. The game, as we know it, will never be the same again. Yeah, I think that was kind of a a feeling when this news was initially released this afternoon. And in case you haven't realized what we're talking about yet, it was announced today that a European Super League is not just in the works, but now appears to almost be an established fact and, and a certainty um, and 12 massive clubs from around Europe have pledged their allegiance to this league with three more to follow. And then five more, I, I suppose, for lack of a better term, to be invited after that, getting the number up to 20. Um, the ramifications of this are obviously immense and massive and tectonic in terms of what this sport is as we know it. And that is why we are here tonight uh, to talk more about this. Because I think, as I was saying, JJ, people saw the news and I think there was almost this like grace period of, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour where we've known this sport to kind of be one thing. You know, it changes, you know, it was there, there was a European cup, then it becomes the Champions League. It was a first division, then the Premier League. It changes in, in certain small ways, but by and large, you know, these were not necessarily tectonic shifts to the sport as we know it. And I think for people to wrap their minds around that reality occurring today, I think it took some time for that to settle in. But I think now here we are several hours later after the announcement. And I think people are now beginning to understand just how groundbreaking uh, this news truly is. Yeah. I, I think when Tarek Panja of the New York times who will join us on Tuesday's podcast, when he broke the news on Twitter, he said top European soccer teams agreed to join Breakaway League, the most detailed account so far on what could be the most seismic moment in European football for decades. Now, people read that and then they thought of maybe what had happened just before Christmas, which we talked about, which was the uh, the attempt at the, the seizure, seizure of power in the Premier League by the big six, that they would run it, that they would run things, that they would dictate to get a bigger share of profits. And that didn't come to pass. There was, you know, an agreement that more money would be funneled to the EFL, but that that plan didn't come to pass. But this evening, as we sit here, Andrew, we have a statement from a group calling itself the Super League, um, who've done some terrible branding, by the way. This is this is literally the kind of branding that happens when the printer runs out. Uh, everyone's seen it. Press release immediate Sunday, 18th of April. Leading European football clubs announced new Super League competition. Uh, 12 of Europe's leading football clubs have today come together to announce they have agreed to establish a midweek competition, the Super League, governed by its founding clubs. AC Milan, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, Barcelona, Internazionale, Juventus, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Real Madrid and Tottenham have all joined as founding clubs. It is anticipated that a further three clubs will join ahead of the inaugural season which is intended to commence as soon as practicable. And then, uh, uh, not long after, every club, not every club actually, but Tottenham, Liverpool uh, tweeted this out. Juventus 
put something on their website. We're waiting on Manchester United. But they all tweeted this kind of this statement. Um, and then they went into the competition format. 20 participating clubs with 15 founding clubs and a qualifying mechanism for a further five teams to qualify annually based on achievements in the prior season, which is kind of disconcertingly vague. Midweek fixtures with all participating clubs continuing to compete in their respective national leagues, preserving the traditional domestic match calendar, which remains at the heart of the club game. That bullet point sounds fanciful. And an August start date with clubs participating in two groups of 10, playing home and away fixtures, with the top three in each group automatically qualifying for the quarterfinals. Teams finishing fourth and fifth will then compete in a two-legged playoff for the remaining quarterfinal positions. A two-legged uh, knockout format will be used to reach the final at the end of May, which will be staged as a single fixture at a neutral venue. Um, and then statements from Florentino Perez, um, Andre Agnelli, who we know, uh, the chairman of Juventus, and Florentino Perez is being named as the first chairman of the Super League. Um, Joel, Joel Glazer and Andrea Agnelli are vice chairman. And that was pretty much the statement. They had some, some pretty bland things to say, uh, saying that it would be good for the game. I'll, I'll read Joel Glazer's because it's the shortest. Uh, Joel Glazer, co-chairman of Manchester United, vice chairman of the Super League, said, by bringing together the world's greatest clubs and players to play each other throughout the season, the Super League will open a new chapter for European football, ensuring world-class competition and facilities and increased financial support for the wider football pyramid. So the tenor of this is, hey, guys, this is for the good. This is for everyone. Um, in the statement at the start, they, they note how um, the pandemic has shown that a strategic vision and a sustainable commercial approach are required to enhance value and support the benefit of the entire European football pyramid. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the key points of the Super League statement. Okay, so a few things uh, out of the gate here. First off, I would say that it's important to note that like us doing this podcast tonight, ever since this podcast first began, you and I have, have purported to be nothing other than essentially two diehard fans of, of teams of the sport that happen to have a platform. And I, mm. and that is, you know, that is essentially what we are speaking as tonight. And I think that that is relatable to most of you out there listening, because that's what you are listening to this podcast right now, diehard fans. And I would say, JJ, I could be wrong, but my guess is roughly 80 to 90% of people that listen to this podcast, I'm guessing are a fan of one of the teams that are involved with the Super League. Maybe I'm high on that, but that's just- You might be a bit guess. high, but okay. That, that's my guess. So I think a lot of people are, are in a relatable situation to what you and I are right now as Tottenham and Liverpool fans. Um, the thoughts that immediately come to my mind off of this, number one, this is one of the all-time shining examples of messing with a good thing. I think that's the most broad statement, and we can work off of that. And then number two, my, my gut reaction to this, and I think most people's gut reaction to this, is that this is not happening. Like, Don't be fooled by the statements that you read. This is not happening because people believe this is in your best interest as a fan. This is happening for certain people who are already outrageously wealthy to get wealthier. 
if this goes, if this does in fact happen, and God only knows, there will be lawyers. We've said that before about other issues, but this will be one of the all-time situations of lawyering up. So who knows what's still to come from this? But my belief is that people who already own yachts and only exclusively travel via private planes and jets across oceans, those are the people benefiting from this. To me, it is not fans at large. And we can talk more about that, of course, as we go through this. But those are my two initial thoughts. Let, let me address a couple of things. First of all, we're a bit more than just diehard fans, but I don't, I don't mind you characterizing us as that. Um, the second thing I would say is that it's worth noting that UEFA fired back. They didn't wait. They responded because they had to. Uh, UEFA, the English Football Association, the Premier League, the Royal Spanish Football Federation and La Liga, the Italian Football Federation, Liga Serie A, have learned that a few English, Spanish and Italian clubs may be planning to announce their creation of a closed so-called Super League. If this were to happen, we wish to reiterate that we, UEFA, the English FA, etc., 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 all the other leagues mentioned, but also FIFA and all our member associations will remain united in our efforts to stop this cynical project, a project that is founded on the self-interest of a few clubs at a time when society needs more, more solidarity than ever. We will consider all measures available to us at all levels, both judicial sporting uh, and sporting in order to prevent this happening so the i mean judicial and sporting we know what that means football is based on open competitions and and sporting merit it cannot be any other way as previously announced by fifa and the six confederations the clubs concerned will be banned from playing in any in any other competition at domestic european or world level and their players could be denied the opportunity to represent their national teams we thank those clubs in other countries, especially the French and German clubs, who have refused to sign up to this. Can we talk about that for one sec? Yes. Uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but that no. to me is a fascinating element of this. And it, it takes a lot of the juice out of whatever this league was going to be. Because for me personally, it's going to be awfully hard. Let's say this thing does come to fruition. And we are all forced in, in one way or another to either ignore it completely and pretend that it's not happening and there's no longer really an elite European competition, or if we're going to say, all right, well, I'm a fan of the sport. It's Real Madrid playing Liverpool or whatever. For the I'm 15th time. I'm going to watch it. I'm sorry. If you're talking about an elite European competition that does not involve Bayern Munich or love them or hate them, PSG, I'm going to have a really, really hard time taking seriously the champion of this league. I just am. I mean, those are two teams that are absolute giants in European and world football. And if they're not involved with this, then it's maybe I'm speaking for myself. Maybe other people agree. I don't know how you can take a champion of a league that doesn't include some of Europe's best teams and, and then prop up the winner of this league as being the best team in Europe. I won't take I, I won't take it. I mean, it, we're already seeing the squeezing of other leagues out of this, of, of leagues with smaller coefficients. We're already seeing this happen, but I won't take it seriously. Uh, because we know what this is. This won't be the European Cup. I mean, the, the Champions League is already struggling in the merit stakes. It, it's already struggling to be inclusive as it should be in terms of revenues. Football as a whole is struggling. This makes, this walls it off completely. This shuts people out. There's no point saying it. And, and, and what is it all about? It's all about money. Swiss Ramble tweeted this. Here's a clue as to why 12 clubs have signed up for European Super League. They lost a combined £1.2 billion sterling in 2019-20 before player sales. And that was for a season where only the last three months were impacted by COVID. 
Liverpool have not yet published their accounts. And he goes into all the accounts below, which I don't need to do. This is about, this is basically about people, uh, the Glazers, the John Henrys. Uh, I, 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 despite how charitable he's been across the, the COVID crisis, the Roman Abramoviches, who only understand the bottom line and don't understand the concept of revenue sharing. They don't understand the concept of the, how the football pyramid works, how what benefits one should benefit everybody. This is from Sports Illustrated, February 10th, straight after the Super Bowl. There remains a lot of frustration among United supporters about the Glazer takeover in 2005, partly because of the dividends the family takes from the club. £15 million, $21 million to each brother last year. And partly because as the takeover was leveraged, there are substantial repayments to be made each year on a debt that now stands at a reported $656 million. The Glazers see this as a way of ring fencing the profits, making sure they don't they don't care about English football. They don't care about the 150 or how, how many hundred years it is. I can't even I'm so mad. I can't even think of how long we've had the football league. They don't care about how this works. They don't care about any of this. They care about the bottom line and making money and they no longer want to share. And the Champions League has been UEFA deadlocked with these clubs for years now, making concession after concession to make sure they get the lion's share of the profits. I mean, we've seen it in England itself, Andrew. We've seen how the big six have negotiated the largest share of the foreign TV revenues. I mean, it's already been happening. And we've got to the point where these guys, the Cronkies, the Glazers, the Henrys, the Abramoviches uh, and Dubai are just saying, we're not giving any more. We want it all. Simple. Like anyone who is trying to say that this is because that this has anything to do with the fans. No, no. Come on. But by the way, it's so notable to me, though. I don't know if you know as well. Joel Glazer. Is the is the name? He's he's the American chairman taking the hit for this. Like you can imagine the room where they decided who's going to be uh, vice chairman, and who's going to sign this document. And you can see Stan Kroenke and John Henry going, "Oh, Joel, you you should sign that." Should I? Yeah, yeah, you're you're the most popular. Everyone loves you. All right. Well, geez, guys, maybe I should. You know, like <laughs> it's impossible for Henry and Kroenke to distance themselves from this, but it's almost like making. Uh, Make a Joel Glazer the role of Uncle Junior, uh, you know, in The Sopranos. Make I mean, him maybe, the lightning rod. Maybe there's a feeling of, you know, people may may hate me for saying this, but Manchester United, I think most people view as as the biggest club in England. So maybe there's some sort of like feeling of giving it greater gravity if it's a, if it's his name from Manchester United on it. Uh, if if our leagues, if this country's biggest club is is this all in, then you know. Yeah. And the rest can can easily fall in line behind it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Um I'm trying I've been trying to think, JJ, of okay, so what will people who who feel differently than us, what will be the things that they say as a defense for this and, and oh, try to support it? Oh, they'll say um they'll say things like, um, well, look at uh you want to see the best you're always going on how this is the elite competition, uh, and you want to see the best teams in it. And by the way, this is this is one of the things that was written in, in the body of the text of the statement. There's a suggestion that this is what the fans want to see. They want to see the top teams at this at this level competing all the time. And the argument will be that some some supporters that disagree with us will say, well, you want Real Madrid and Liverpool 
to be right there. You want to see PSG and Bayern, um, I'm throwing them in there. They're not in it, but PSG and Bayern Munich. You, lo- you guys love that game. Why wouldn't you want to see that every year? That's not meritocracy. That's not competition. But by the way, we do see it every year. Not specifically those two teams, but it's called the Champions League. It exists, and it's the perfect blend of small clubs that have earned their spot in it with gigantic clubs that have also earned their spot in it. You have to earn your spot in the competition. That's gone. That's been wiped away with this new new Super League. And that's bad for sports. And, And for people who want to say also... Okay, well, you know, not that much changes. Maybe you don't like the new format, but essentially if you can wrap your mind around this being the new Champions League, you'll still have your domestic leagues. Well, think about what the rubble of those domestic leagues are going to be now if this goes through. The financial gap between the big six and the rest, like you've detailed with the new deals and things like that and how the big six have have propped themselves up financially already. Think Mm. of what's about to happen to that. This is about to be that on steroids. So the financial gap is about to widen that much more so between these six clubs and the rest of the league. It's going to become a joke. Oh, yeah. If, if you're tired already of seeing Manchester City just waltz to a title every year, it, it's going to be the same stories year after year. The, these Leicester Cities and West Hams and things like that that have made this this season, which by and large has not been that joyful, but we've had a couple of these smaller clubs that have added some life to it in some way. Like, forget it. <laughs> forget it. Yeah. And, and this idea of, you know, like, in seasons where title races have been decided, like the race for top four is compelling and it's fun, like gone. All those stories that that keep you know clubs down through six, seven, eight, not, sometimes ninth in the table, engaged deep into a season. Forget it. Like now, those things pe- are going to be a thing of the past. There's people that are going to shout at us, guys, get real. This has been heading this way forever. Well, it doesn't mean we have to like it. No, it's been heading this way since the formation of the Premier League. It's been heading this way since the, the TV deals that were signed six years ago that allowed, you know, Stoke City to sign Jordan Shakiri from Bayern Munich or wherever he came from. You know, we, we, we saw this coming down the tracks. But, you know, the, the game has been opened up. Um, last week, Newcastle a bunch of Newcastle fans, quite a few of them got together because they're dismayed at the state of their club. And they've looked towards a, a, a model of where so many fans would contribute so much money monthly or weekly or single payment to try and be in a position that ultimately when this club is up for sale, they can buy it because they can get it back control of their club. And that is what's happening here as well. Liverpool may tell you and FSG may tell you that this means more. And sure, we complimented the amazing job John Henry did when we won the European Cup and we won the Premier League. But ultimately, John Henry doesn't care about football. He doesn't care about the structures of football that have endured over a century. He cares about the bottom line. He's a venture capitalist and he looks at the bottom line and he sees, oh, how can I maximize my profits? And the best way to do that is to follow the model of American sports and close in. Don't let anyone else in. Profit share amongst you. That's it. Now, where I think they've made a brutal miscalculation, a huge miscalculation, is that they think fans are going to want to watch this. I'm telling you right now, I have no interest in it. None whatsoever. I have no interest in a league that wouldn't have a Rosenberg, that wouldn't have a Leicester City, that wouldn't have, by design, an Atalanta. Don't care about it. And by the way, the 
Oh my God, I nearly swore there. The absolute nerve at some of these clubs. Like, and I'm not having a go at you, but leading European clubs is the title. Arsenal. We have today decided to join the Super League. Uh, super. Is that something you call it, this current Arsenal team? How many times have they been in the old Champions League final? Once. How many times have they won it? Zero. Tottenham, being in the final, hadn't been to a final up until two years ago. How many times have they won it? Zero. You know? Um, Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest have three European Cups between them. You Look at Juventus, knocked out by Porto. Today, beaten by Atalanta. Um, James Horncastle tweeted this. Juventus are leaving the ECA, the um, European Club Association. Agnelli has resigned as president of the ECA and is walking away from the UEFA Executive Committee. So I'm, I'm sure they've, that's... They've, they've gone all in. I mean, it oh, seems yeah. like we've now crossed a threshold with this. Uh, going... Like... Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur can't beat a paint company these days. Can't beat Julux. Well, that's what. That's what have they done? What have they done? The most frustrating things about this is that, like, they want to tell you that it's a competition of of the game's most historic clubs, and I'm not saying that they're not historic clubs, but essentially what it is, it is a snapshot in time of who is wealthiest right now in the game. One hundred percent. And that's that's what this league is comprised of. And if you and if you feel good about that, then you and I, not you, those who agree with this, then you and I are are different. I'm not. I don't mean to slag off Arsenal. I honestly don't. I I, like. I, I can give you chapter and verse about what an amazing club Arsenal have been for over. I mean, for the last century, Tottenham too. But you're right. That the, look if this if JJ if this were created five years ago, Tottenham would not be part of it. Ta- I mean, this ta- is essentially built on what they've done in the last few years. They've 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 created this buzz around them. They've uh, they've hired one of the most famous managers in the world. They've built a stadium. You know, it is what they've done in the last few years. A lot of it, a lot of it on the back of Maurizio Pochettino, I, I would like to remind people. But they've put themselves into this position. But, you know, the kind of people that run football clubs, Andrew, um, these days have no interest or no care for what football really is. Um, I'm just going to give you this quickly because you can read the article on The Guardian. This is David Kahn on Burnley's takeover. Heady recent wins at Liverpool and Arsenal have helped keep Sean Dyche's Burnley team eight points above the Premier League relegation zone. But at Turf Moor, the air is still clearing over a £170 million sterling US takeover, which has used the club's own money and loaded it with debt. I'm not going to read any more than that. It's on the Guardian website and it's an investigation into Burnley. The Burnley, the, the best run club in terms of never spent a lot on transfer fees. What was Jeff Hendrick at 15 million, their biggest splash? You know, something like that. But the people who buy them don't care. What, why, why is there a, an investment from, from America buying into Burnley, Turf Moor, a stadium that hasn't been updated in about 50 years? Why are they doing that? Because of TV money. Because of money. They don't care about the game. We, it makes me, it's so, it's so angry. They are selling they are selling fans a lie and have been doing it. And the cloak is completely off now. Yeah. I mean, there could be, there are no more secrets in this. No. Now, one of the things that's interesting that we were just talking about of the threshold now being crossed when you see Agnelli uh, backing out of the, his UEFA executive committee, um, you know, relationships between those in charge of this club's UEFA domestic leagues, they have been in many ways, I would say irreparably shattered. 
And mm. one of the ramifications of this, that, like I said, I will say it again, there will be lawyers, this idea of what were some of them, JJ, that players who are involved would not be permitted to compete in FIFA sanctioned competitions, i.e. the European Championships, yeah. the World Cup. Um, as, previously, as previously announced by FIFA and the six confederations, the clubs concerned will be banned from playing in any other competition at domestic, European or world level, and their players could be denied the opportunity to represent their national teams. So that's an unbelievable threat. Uh, and if it is found to be legal, because I'm sure that will be one of the primary, th those things will be the primary things challenged in court, I'm sure. Well, then, I mean, as if this wasn't already a tectonic enough shift in the game. Now, what are we saying? Stripping the Premier League of these six clubs? Stripping the stripping La Liga of Real Madrid and Barcelona and Atletico Madrid? Stripping that sort of talent, Messi, from Argentina in a World Cup? Is like is that is that actually what we're talking about now? Uh, again, me and you are kind of shuffling in the dark here. How does one go about doing any of this? You know, I don't even know how. Like, what is the format for? You know, the beginning of this league. How do how do you set it? You know, how do you say right? We're starting in twenty twenty two. What do we need to do? I, there's this is just so unprecedented. Um, there's been a couple of statements from uh, I've read from the Liverpool supporters, Spirit of Shankly, dead against this. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur have just, uh, Supporters Trust have just released this. Uh, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you can um, you can read it on their website. Um, THST. I saw it earlier. They're, they're staunchly against it. The Betrayal of Tottenham Hotspur, it's called. Yes. Um, Tottenham Hotspur was the first British club to win a European trophy. We blazed a trail that caught the imagination of fans everywhere. Yesterday, the current board of THFC betrayed the club, its history and the magic that makes this game so special when they put their name to a statement announcing the formation of a breakaway European Super League. So, I mean, the backlash, I mean, there's, I haven't seen a positive thing about this. Um, Zach B just tweeted us, because we're doing this podcast, shows you care more about your fans than our clubs do. That's kind of the sentiment. That is the, can that we, is the, can we talk? I sort of wanted to close on that. There, there's so right. I, I know we're going to miss stuff tonight and there's going to be people who listen to this and say, I wish they got into this. I wish they got into that. Yeah. This is as stream of consciousness, a podcast as we have ever done ever. And there's so much information around this that is confusing that to a certain extent that almost, we don't know what we don't even know at this point, i.e. when this will begin, what sort of uh, punishments there will be for clubs involved. There's still a lot here. And that's why on Tuesday, Tarek Panja of the New York times, who, if you're not following him, you should do so immediately right now on Twitter or New or go to the New York times, read his stuff. Cause he's been all over this. Um, he'll join us and we'll have way more information at that point than we do right now. But the last bit that I did want to talk about is the fan angle of this. Cause like I said, I believe Rightly or wrongly, 80 to 90% of our listening audience has is supportive of a club that is involved in this. And you and I, on this podcast, 100% of the hosts of this podcast have a club that is involved. Um, it's funny, we were almost talking about this in a roundabout way the other day when we were discussing PSG and how, or, or the final four of the Champions League this year in general and how you view it because they, you know, right. the way some of these clubs are perceived. And I said something then that I suppose I will have to parrot that line now and say it again here tonight. Um, I have never and will never root for a club because of who is sitting in the owner's box. Um, Gary Neville had some really, really strong comments today 
about this being the type of stuff uh, i'm paraphrasing but i, I can give it to you gary okay, neville sure. they have no loyalty to this country and these leagues this is disowning your club stuff this. that line that one right there this is disowning your club stuff this um i will not begrudge anybody who goes along with that if you are a manchester city fan today and wake up tomorrow and say you know what i'm done with this uh i'm a fulham fan now um i will not begrudge you for doing that. I understand it. Uh, I feel dirty saying this. And maybe when this podcast is over, I'm going to have to run upstairs and take a shower. But I simply, I'm simply in too deep with Tottenham Hotspur. And I, it's hard for me here tonight, talking to you, all of you out there listening it's hard for me to sit here and completely disassociate myself from all the emotion, uh, all the love, all the hours spent supporting this club, rooting for this club, the memories. Uh, and I'm not saying those things go away, but I mean, look, even in this season that has Will been it be as Tom joyless Hotspur, as I've, if, if, uh, if they're playing in a, in a closed Super League and will, will they be Tottenham Hotspur anymore? I guess I can't, I can't answer that until I'm seeing it, but I can't, it's just, I don't know. I, I love the club too much. I, and it's, when I say the club, you know, I feel, I, I feel weird almost using that term because right now that's viewed as Daniel Levy and Enoch. But like, to me, that's not, when I say the club, that's not who it is. It's Harry Kane. It's Pochettino. Uh, it's Aaron Lennon. Yeah. It's Bale. It's Glenn Hoddle. Like yeah. that, that's what it is. And so I can't, you know, it, it's it's Lucas Mora against Ajax. It's it's also in the, fifth it's, minute, it, in the 95th minute. Like it's those moments. It's not Daniel Levy signing a contract in a boardroom. And so, Andrew, again, I begrudge no one who sees it differently. And I understand that people will hate Tottenham and all the other clubs involved moving forward because of this. But tonight talking to you, I can't, I don't know. I just, I don't know that it's Andrew. part of my life as a fan that I want to strip away just yet. But Andrew, aren't aren't you Tottenham Hotspur? Aren't, aren't the fans are Tottenham Hotspur. Like that's the thing these owners can never understand, and they'll never understand it. They can sign all the contracts they want. The club is those players on the field that wear the badge. It's the crest, and it's the supporters. We've if if we've learned anything in in COVID without having fans in the stadium, what have we learned? There is no soccer without supporters. The Tottenham Hotspur is the 70,000 that fill that stadium. That's what Tottenham Hotspur is. And you have, a, you, can't, you have a decision to make on that. You hold the power as much as anyone. I'm convinced of that. Well, so tell me, what are you going to do? I'm done. I'm finished. If they, if they, if so they right entered, here tonight, you would, tell, you would tell me that you are no longer a supporter of Liverpool. I'm not following them into this. I'm not, I'll, I'll, That's I, I not really an answer. Um, if they, like, so this... this is one thing. The Super League, you don't have to follow them into that. But I'm saying if Liverpool, in a year where they're also in the Super League, they also win, if they're allowed to remain in the Premier League, which right now we don't know the status of that. The, the yeah, domestic we, we leagues are know. saying that they will not be allowed in. But let's say lawyers happen and these clubs will continue to be allowed to compete in their domestic leagues. You will not You will I, not celebrate a, a Liverpool title in the Premier League? I, I think uh, um, under these circumstances, I'd find it very difficult. Okay. With this, with this leadership of the club, with I, I don't know how, I, I don't know how I'd do it. I don't. I'd be a hypocrite. I'd be so. I feel such a hypocrite. All the years 
I've seen it. I talked on this podcast about, you know, the inherent threat to football that clubs like Manchester City and their model are and Chelsea. And then for me to be, because what, um, what, what we got a tweet from Mitch Carr and uh, he said, I, as a Man City fan, listen to you two, a Tottenham Hotspur fan, a Liverpool fan, discuss this. I'm reminded of a quote from Road to Perdition. There are only murderers in this room. And he says, do you stop supporting your club over this? I wouldn't think so. We'd be, we'd be complicit. Um, I, I, I don't know. Jeez, Andrew, I, 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 maybe I'd try to, to, to take the ground that I'm a football fan, that I'll, I do what a lot of people do. I, I try and enjoy the game. Is that, I don't know. As I, the way I feel right now, I'm, I'm deflated. They're just deflated that the, that the club, you know, that they've put you in this position. I, I, hate, I feel I, the same way. I, I, I right it. now I'm, you know, if Tottenham were a person that I could like physically halt, like I'd punch him in the face right now. Damn you for putting me as a supporter in this position. Uh, and I know Tottenham fans across the board that I've seen on Twitter tonight are, are all feeling the same way. I've yet to see a single one of them. I saw um, one Tottenham said, I don't remember which one that I follow, uh, put out a poll of basically, are you for this against this or undecided? The results were 75% against uh, 15 undecided, 10-4. So uh, there's 10%. I guess, can, that, I guess there are people out there. I, I, don't, I, I can't wrap my mind around that, can but I, I guess they exist. Can I, and, I, and again, we're, we're kind of shuffling in the, in the dark here because we don't know exactly how this is going, the future is going to look. But can I, can I put this to you, Andrew, where I say that maybe a Tottenham Hotspur playing in a Super League well, it definitely isn't Tottenham Hotspur to me. It's not their history. No, they're, I mean, I've always viewed them rightly or wrongly to me. Uh, and when I certainly when I started supporting them, uh, they were a, a shell of, of, I guess, a, a club that would be taking part in the competition. You didn't like fall this, in but, love I've with always, but I've always, but I've always the winner. Them, no, I've always viewed them as kind of this like sorry underdog. But, but can and I, it's hard to play that role and also be a Super League competitor. Right. I, but I'd like to put, I'm just going to expand this just a little bit before we go. By the way, um, I also don't envision them uh, enjoying their time in, in the Super League. <laughs> um, let, me, let me broaden this out. Like I think of the nights that I don't remember, that I wasn't born for. Um, Liverpool are associated with, uh, let me give you some places. Sanetien, Mönchengladbach, Bruges, and then laterally Olympiakos. Even maybe Crystal Palace. Look at all those lowly clubs from those small places. Tottenham's biggest night in Europe outside of the Champions League final was against who? Anderlecht. Why? This is history. This is the fabric of the game. And but, Ajax, another club. That, and and who Ajax. Knows, who knows? Like, I mean, I, I highly, <laughs> even with their history and the number of trophies that they've compiled over the years, I, do you think they'll be invited into this? No. No. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is Ajax might be one of the clubs, the remaining few clubs that talk about values and have some. This is this is dark. It is dark, man. This, and I'm sorry for I, getting because... emotional earlier on, but I'm just and shouting and doing things like that on a Sunday night. When you text me, I was in I was in real football land. I was standing on the sideline watching Sunday League soccer in Brooklyn and it was glorious fields as far as you could see with people playing soccer magnificent so what do we do now what like, do we, we do yeah like 
are we gonna are we gonna have to cover this like i mean we're already making i mean if barcelona are uh, let's not make any decisions tonight that's not no it's all too raw maybe we do and again and forgive me i can't remember if it was rory smith or jonathan wilson who said we go on football goes on we let them have their league let them have ignore it you know do what the do what the irish the irish when they tried to remove the british in 1916 did they created a government a shadow government and pretended the british weren't there let's do that <laughs> i don't know um yeah i've got one final thing uh, to say it, it, it's been in my head all evening and uh, this this is what it feels like from an uh, from an ownership standpoint, from a greed standpoint, because I do think that's what it comes down to. Um, these revelations today, it's from The Simpsons, Andrew. And Homer was talking to Mr. Burns, and he goes, "You know, Mr. Burns, you're the richest guy I know." And Mr. Burns responds, "Yes, but I trade it all for a little more." We will be back on Tuesday with a lot more on this. Uh, like we said, Tarek Panja of the New York Times, who's been covering this in-depthly, uh, he will join us as well. So that will be a, a fascinating conversation. We'll, we'll, we'll certainly learn a lot more from him. And in the next 48 hours or so, I'm sure a lot more will be learned about all of this. Um, on that podcast as well, look, ultimately, this is the biggest story in, in world football, really, probably in, in world sports uh, right now. But I, I do acknowledge a lot did happen uh, in the game and on the field this past weekend, both here with MLS kicking off and, of course, in Premier League games, FA Cup semifinals. So we will talk about that Copa del Rey final, um, the Leo Messi photo session, as I've now been referring to it. Um, so <laughs> and the we, return we will... of Ch- Chicharito Hernandez is now yeah. back. He's been I'm declaring him back. Okay. So we will talk about those things. But but here and now, this is such a, a monster of a story. And it uh, people are, are may not like this, but it will be like this is going to be a dominant story for weeks and months to come, because I'm sure resolutions on this and, and how the legal system will play out is going to play out over a course of, of a while. Um, things will not be decided overnight and it's going to get extremely ugly and fans like us and like however many thousands and thousands of you out there also listening to this are going to be coping with. And I guess that's what I would I would close on it and ask you guys between now and Tuesday's podcast, I would just, I would be fascinated to hear from as many of you as possible um, to at CEO Soccer Pod on Twitter, caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com, caughtoffside ESPN. Because, like Catch I said, game. I've said it multiple times, I believe that the vast majority of our audience support clubs that are involved in this. And I'm just, I'm wondering where you are in terms of how you feel about your team right now. And like right now, what are you thinking moving forward? Um, cause I, a lot of fans are being put in a really, really uncomfortable position tonight. And that's a shame because that is not what sports are supposed to be about. Um, JJ, this has been a podcast. We will be back with another one on Tuesday <sighs> to you. I say it's over my friend. All right. Take care, man. Take care. You've been listening to the caught offside soccer podcast. 